0: Chris Kiefer. Hey, thank you for joining me once again. This is Chris Kiefer and this is the Rocky Mountain ATVMC.com. Kiefer Tested Podcast presented by Fly Racing and Race Tech. Thank you guys for joining me once again. Busy week here. Lots of riding, lots of tests, lots of typing and of course, you're listening to this, so that means lots of talking this week. We have the Honda 2020 CRF250R that we're talking about today. And man, they went to work and did a lot of changes this year. So um, lots of things to talk about. Um, Let's see if they improve that thing. We will talk about that. If this bike is better than 2019 and where it kind of ranks in the realm of 250Fs for 2020. So we're going to talk about all that. And of course, you know how we go sideways sometimes. I'm sure we'll get off the mark a little bit, but it wouldn't be the rocky mountain atvmc.com key tested podcast if we didn't do that right so rocky mountain atvmc is the trusted online source for parts accessories gear for dirt bikes side by sides atvs and street bikes low prices unparalleled customer service free 3-day shipping over 75 bucks it's easy to see why rocky mountain atv mc is the one-stop shop for us to get all of our stuff. Thank you guys over there for ordering. They're a good bunch of dudes. Rocky Mountain has been uh, going to the track with me, and they did a video with me on this bike that will be up on their YouTube channel. So I'm trying to create more content for you guys out there. Just some videos, because I know I've been getting hit and up. Say Kiefer, you should do some videos, so why not incorporate the people that support this podcast So all different kinds of information out there. You've got a video. You've got a podcast. You've got an article. We try to hit all the marks over here and get you guys all the transparent, honest information. This is a no bullshit way of giving you guys what you need. As you guys know, if you guys have any questions, Chris at KeeferIncTesting.com, I will do my damnedest to get you the information that you want, the answers. And if I don't know the answers, I'll simply say, hey, man, I don't know. It's tough to do in this day and age, I understand. Everyone thinks they know everything. I don't. I know a lot of stuff about dirt bikes, but not everything. So, uh, But if you do have questions, hit me up. That's what we do here. We cater to you guys out there. Hopefully spend your money in the right direction. And that way, it ensures you that you have the correct purchase and you're happy when you go riding and you're not pissed off at us. So uh, we pride ourselves in that. Hey, if you guys got some new gear... If you haven't, go check out Fly Racing and flyracing.com. Loads of new stuff up there on their website, so please go check them out. Support the badass people in our sport, and Fly Racing, WPS, is one of those companies, man. They've been around for a bit. Great family-oriented company. Uh, Love those guys over there, so thank you, Fly Racing. Go check them out, flyracing.com. And, of course, another badass company, Racetech. You got a new bike, you need some new valving, need some new springs, need some seals, bushings, what you need. Head over to Racetech.com, check it out. You guys are wondering what spring rates are run, you can go look over there on the website. They have that as well. And if you guys are looking for a discount on your stuff, hit me up and I will get you in contact with Chris over at Racetech. And we'll try to save you guys some money and increase that smile that, you're, uh, that you got right now because you're listening to this podcast. So thank you, advertisers. And uh, we appreciate you guys going in that direction. If they're not on this podcast, or I should say, if they are on this podcast, chances are very, very high. I would say almost 100% that it is a great product. Again, I do not take advertising dollars on shit products. So if they're on this podcast, I have used them. I would purchase them myself if I already haven't done that. I probably already did. So, thank you guys for trusting me and trusting the the people that uh, support this show. So, like I said, Honda went to work on this bike. Unlike the 450, which didn't see a lot of changes for 2020, okay? They didn't really have a lot of things. They did some mapping and some battery box lowering and things like that. But the 250, man, they did a lot of work. So, what did they do? They have a new uh, new cam profile. Um, basically just, instead of me just going all the way into every single detail, uh, basically what I'm just going to tell you guys, they changed the cylinder head. A lot of things inside of there has been changed. But if you guys want to get to the nuts and bolts of that, just go over to my site, keyforinktesting.com and that will give you a link to everything that has been changed. But nonetheless, they did a lot of engine work and the goal, the end goal here, okay, Because I had some input in some of this testing that Honda had uh, a while ago. Like I said, I dabble in certain things and uh, the end goal for Honda for 2020 was try to get closer to that blue bike. That blue bike, that YZ250F, has a lot of torque and it has won a lot of shootout. So Honda is tired of that and they really want to go after that uh, consumer and say, hey, Our bike is easy to ride as well because we added some more meat, some torque. So that was their goal with the engine changes that they made. Uh, They really tried to improve the chassis feel. So right now, 250 and 450 share the same frame, has a new swing arm. They've got uh, a different radiator to try to enlarge it, to cool it better. Uh, So many things. They've got different uh, rear brake hoses. Uh, Header pipe resonator is gone. That's removed. So that little Bulbasaur piece that's on that head pipe, that is gone. The foot pegs are reshaped, 20% lighter. Like I said, there's just a lot of revisions to this engine slash chassis slash suspension that for us out there listening to this podcast, they're trying to get you guys out there to say, hey, this is a better bike Honda of course but yet we're keeping our same our same character I guess that's what I was trying to say out here we want to keep that lightweight feel we want to keep that strong cornering character we're just trying to add a little bit more stability and we're trying to add some more engine power for all of us out there that need it and let me tell you a whole nother debate that we got into this Rocky Mountain ATVMC video that we did on this bike is the 250-450 debate. Where does the 250F four-stroke fit into your riding style? Like I said in the video, and I'm not going to give it all away here on this podcast, but, dude, I love riding a 250F. I love it. It's fun. It's easy to ride. I can last longer. It's just a better feeling. Every time I get on one, I'm like, why don't I own one of these things? Why don't I own- I build one of these things and just keep it because a few years ago, I wasn't a real fan of a 250F. And I'm sure you heard me talk about this on a, on a previous podcast. It's just there wasn't enough power. I had to work my ass off, similar to reasons why I don't really like two strokes that much because, look, I'm getting older. And when I want to ride, I want to have fun and go fast, but I don't want to work my ass off. All the time to go fast. I'll leave that to the 18-year-old kids that have all this testosterone in them. Look, like those commercials say on the damn TV we watch, Are you 40? Is your testosterone low? Hell yeah, it's low. It's going down. So why the hell would I want to work my balls off on a motorcycle to try to go fast? I want to work less, and I still want to go fast. I want it all, right? That's what we want. We want to have our cake and eat it too. So Honda is working hard to try to get that torque so we can be lazier. And that was the end goal for this motor. So we met Honda out at Paula Raceway, uh, a.k.a. Fox Raceway. I still can't get used to that, but uh, Paula Raceway. okay. And we spent a full day at Paula and just got to know the bike a little bit better. I'm very familiar with this bike. I mean, we can talk. Two hours about this bike, how much I know about it. But I want to give you the nuts and bolts and kind of compare a little bit to the 19 to see if you guys want to go this direction. I know a lot of you, and trust me, there's a lot of you that send me emails about Honda CRF250s. I get a lot. I get a lot of uh, engine questions, and I get a lot of durability questions sent to me about a Honda 250R. So we will talk about that. As well on this podcast and kind of cover, try to cover everything we can possibly do for you before you, out, you go out and make a purchase. So I had three guys out there with Paul. This is the kind of standard issue I've been doing this year. Three different size riders, three different abilities, setting a sag setting and trying to get us happy to where we're going. And all of us agree um, as a team and say, hey, look, this is a setting that we all can get along and we can go to a different track and ride it, and be happy. So we did that at the end of the day. Um, basically, I came up with this. Let's start with the engine. Is this engine better than 2019? A resounding yes. If you guys are wondering, hey, Kiefer, you know, every every year we talk about, oh, this bike's better, it's better, it's better, it's better. Look, sometimes when we talk about Hey, I'm going from a 2019 to a 2020. It's a better bike. It's it's, you know, has a lot of revisions and it's it's better. We never really talk about how much better it is. And sometimes the word better barely means anything and some of you guys out there can't feel that. So let me explain to you in the easiest way I can. Everyone that has a 19 and 20 back-to-back, let's say you have that in front of you and you rode both, you will be able to feel the difference in the engine within one lap. That is how noticeable it is. Now, on top of that, I'm not going to sit here and say, okay, this is a better engine than a Yamaha now. No, it is not. It is a better Honda engine. It still has... The Honda character, where it likes to be revved out, it likes to be ridden hard, but now we just got a little bit more meat out of the very low end, and we have a noticeable amount of pulling power through the mid-range. Those are the two things that have been improved on this 2020 bike. Again, slightly easier to ride. Not as easy as a YZ250F, but I would say on par, closer In that realm of a KTM 250SXF, I would say it's that kind of character. For those of you that do not know that character, a KTM and Honda comes on smooth. It has a linear power, and then it builds RPMs really quick and has a lot more pulling power through mid-range to top end. and you can rev the shit out of these bikes. This is where this bike likes to be ridden. If you're a lugger, lazier guy, Chances are this isn't the right engine for you. But now that we're dealing with the 2020 and the changes that they made, it is slightly better than the 19 on very low RPM. So where is it slightly better, Kiefer? Zero to 10% throttle opening. I get more RPM response. Okay, So it's a little bit um, what we like to say around these parts has better recovery. And recovery is... I'm a little lazy. Oops, I'm in the wrong gear. Fan that clutch. You guys can't see me because I'm moving my finger on the clutch a couple times. And boom, we're back down the road in the meat of the power. No problem. Last year, it took more finger movements on that clutch. Okay, it took, man, you really had to fan the shit out of it to get back in the meat of the power and down the road. Now for 2020. That's a little bit better. Where is it? Very noticeable, Kiefer. After 10% throttle opening, 10 to 25% in that range, as you're just exiting the corner and start to pull down the straightaway, you will notice this red rocket has a little bit more gas, man. This thing has a little bit more pep. It's a little bit more exciting. Uh, It puts a smile on your face, and it pulls fairly well. Down the straightaway before you're entering the next gear, which I like to call second to third. First gear, look, let's face it, it's useless. I never use first gear. Only the guys that use first gear, if you're riding back east, it's snowing and you're in those little little arenas, that's the only time you're going to use first gear. Otherwise, if you're outdoors, you're never using first gear. So, Before that transition, out of the corner, shifting second to third, this is where this bike is quite a bit better. We will cover the engine maps a little bit in a little bit, but I really wanted to drive home the fact that Honda did a great job um, for torque feeling, um, shifting from second to third gear. I like that, that they went that direction, and to me, that's where this bike needed it the most. It always had, I don't know, I think it always had pretty good RPM response, right? That crack, the initial crack, it just kind of felt hollow. That's another word we use around these parts, hollow. Hollow, to me, is just kind of an empty, doesn't have a lot of uh, excitement or pull, Um, just that crack. It has good crack, but then after that, it was kind of, eh, it's vanilla. So now Honda has proved that range a little bit. Now we got a lot better into that mid-range, so it's just more of a fun bike. As you guys can see, I get excited about it, and I talk about it because for a 250 to, to gain as much as Honda did in that area, it's very, very difficult. To get horsepower, to get ponies, and to have it reliable, it's hard to really put it into words how much R&D goes into that side of things. So kudos to Honda to try to get that added torque, which they did, and of course keep that mid to top end over rev pull. Second gear, let let me speak about second and third gear a little bit as well. So last year, transmission uh, spacing was atrocious. I would usually I would usually go off of a jump and I saw straight away after a jump. I would usually just bypass third gear and just go second to fourth, and I would ride fourth, because fourth felt more like a third gear. It was very, very odd. and I really couldn't use third gear that much, and if I did, it was very short. So now for 2020. I go out to the track, I'm riding, I go to shift in the third. I'm like, holy shit, wow. I can actually use third gear down the straightaway for a long time and not have to shift to fourth. I have, I do, but I don't have to use fourth gear as much. So that's another thing that has changed. Honda changed the second gear in this bike. So now second gear is a little bit more usable, a little bit longer. Third gear is a little bit more usable, a little bit longer. So now we don't have this puzzling look on our faces when we're trying to ride this thing and we're just bypassing third gear. So more pulling power, better transmission spacing, and now I get a more usable second and third gear so you can rev out second gear longer. I would say if we're putting it on a scale, the second and third gear pulling power is better than a Yamaha on top end. Uh, like I said, low-end feel. Yamaha still has everyone in that category. But now, if you guys just want to be lazy in the direction of, hey, I'm just going to leave it in second gear and let it just rev out, it'll do that much better in 2020. It will not pull third gear in corners. It will not lug like a YZ250F yet. But now, if you want to shift earlier, Unlike last year, now you're coming out of a corner, right? And now you're going to go shift really early. It'll pull third gear out of that corner, unlike last year. You just can't enter, uh, I guess I would say, semi-tight 180 corners in third gear. It just doesn't have that lugability slash torque like the Yamaha does. But if you guys are in second gear and you want to get back into third gear down the straightaway early, the Honda does do that better. So, I like the changes that they made. They are noticeable. If you're a Honda guy and you like that power, you're gonna actually love this motor because it's the same character. It just has been enhanced more on the low front side of the power. Moving on to the engine maps, okay? ECU changes, of course, for 2020, just like its bigger brother, the 450R. Map one, standard map. Map two, mellow. Map three, aggressive. Where do I like to ride this thing? Most everyone, well I should say all three guys, really like Map 3. Why? Because it comes on harder down low, which we want, right? We can't really get enough of low-end power on a 250F. So if we're getting some more than we are in Map 1, let's use that. As long as it's not uh, really short up top and not losing that bitching character that the Honda has up top. Well, it doesn't. Map 3 is a little bit shorter up top, but not huge. The benefit to map three, guys, is that you can shift sooner, and this bike will pull it down the straightaway, okay? So now you're in map one, you want to shift. Like I said, um, we talked about how you can shift a little early. Well, that is where map three is at. You can shift early, get down the straightaway. Unlike map one, where you have to let it rev out a little bit longer and then you can shift so both maps 1 and 3 are good I just prefer map 3 because I want a little bit more of an aggressive hit and if I feel like it's too short up top then I just shift early and then it pulls it down the straightaway so I don't mind map 3 it's a little bit lighter feeling because it has more RPM response makes the bike more playful so that's where I spend most of my time I do not think I would ever need map 2 because I don't think The bike has that much wheel spin to begin with. And, of course, we're out here in California where we have a lot of hard pack loose shit. And MAP2 just seems to be too mellow. Where I think MAP2 would be beneficial is if you have a kid and you're bypassing a 125 two-stroke and you're getting a lighter kid, maybe a little bit intimidated Of the power of the 254 stroke. Map 2 is good for him or her. To start in Map 2 area. I like that area. Let's just say if I was going to put Aiden. On that thing. I would put him in Map 2. Because it's not so snappy. So Use those ECU maps that Honda did. They redesigned them for uh, 2020. That is not a huge difference. Um, But for sure. Use those things. Try them out. Do yourself a favor. Go one lap at a time. That's kind of what we do when we test. We went one lap in map one, one lap in map two, so on and so forth. So figure out where you're at. And hey, check this out. When you go to a different track, it may feel different. So try those maps again when you go to a different track. That's why they're there. That's why Honda gives us those choices. Let's let's use them. Let's take advantage of them. Let's try them because you never know. Uh, Maybe MAP2 doesn't load the suspension as much for you. So just remember, when you change anything on a motorcycle, the bike will react different out on the track. So just know that. Any little thing, a click, sag, ECU, whatever, just make sure to try the things and see what you like the best. Um, Moving on to the suspension. The key here is try to have more holdup without getting rigidity. That is... The magic phrase for every bike. Yes, we all want some more hold-up. Yes, we all want some more bottoming resistance. But we need comfort. We can't go fast without comfort. So Honda's goal for 2020 was try to get less pitching off-throttle. If you Again, if you guys are watching these nationals on TV, watch the pros' bikes. They do not move when they're off-throttle. Okay, They're wide open and they're braking. They do not dive that much. Us normal, everyday Joe consumer bikes always seem to dive because they're soft. We have to set them up for a wide range of riders out there. So Honda wanted to add some more holdup with Showa, and they said, hey, let's try to get extra holdup in the fork without the dive and trying to keep the comfort. Yes, there is some more holdup for 2020, and yes, there is slight slightly more comfort, but I don't know if it's coming from the frame. I haven't really dissected it yet, but the bike as a whole has better balance. To me, when you're off-throttle, it's not diving. It doesn't have that stink bug feel. You'll get a noticeable amount of, I would like to say, cornering stability out of this bike because of the suspension slash chassis changes. So you're getting ready to dive into a corner, And last year, your front end felt a little low. And then when you tried to crank in the compression on the fork, you got a harsh feel for now. But for now, 2020, you come in, the bike doesn't dive as much, and you can get in that corner better, which increases your corner stability, and you can go faster. So I do like that. SAG readings for 2020 are a little bit different, so just take note on this, okay? I ran, I started it out at 100 millimeters, which is high compared to old Honda terms, right? We used to run 106, 108. So now we're a little bit higher because of the fork and shock changes. But I started at 100. I did feel it was a little bit too high. So I went to 102 millimeters of sag. Here's something important that I talked to Kaz and the guys over at Showa. And those dudes are super smart, super smart human beings. I love talking to them. There's a certain way to measure your sag. This is in your Honda owner's manual. Look at it. Do the same thing repeatedly. Don't change. If you have a tape measure and you look at the owner's manual it says from the middle of the axle to one point up on near the seat, that's what you do. Don't ever change it because you will get two different SAG readings. I've done it myself. So when we go do these tests uh, I will check my SAG with a no lean just stick, like a sag, uh, SAG scale stick. That's tough to say. And I will get a reading of 105 and then Cause from Shoah will come, uh, you know, hey, I want to check your sag. I will sit on the bike and I'll have a reading of 100. So it's important that you guys do the same thing all the time. If you're out and you check your sag with all your gear on and you're in the garage and you do it a certain way, try to repeat that way every single time. Don't use someone else's sag scale because you could be off. Just make sure you guys use the same scale use the same measurement, use the same points. And if you're wondering what point-to-point, point, which is better, look in your Honda owner's manual. It'll tell you exactly where to put the stick or tape measure. Important. I guess I really haven't stressed that enough on these podcasts. I really wanted to stress it with you guys now because I just happened to revisit this with the guys over at Shoah for this test. So I wanted to relay that message. message. Um So getting back to it, jump faces to me, um, the, the ass, the shock is a little bit low. It does still have a slight empty feeling if I'm charging up faces of jumps, so I try to increase low speed, get a little bit stiffer, and let me tell you about the show of suspension, guys. One click makes a difference. It's not like a KYB or a WP where you can go two clicks. Go one click. It makes a huge difference, so... Kind of here was my shock reading because I felt like the ass, the low end of uh, the instroke of this shock was a little soft. Uh, 102 sag, high speed compression, two and five, six, low speed compression, 10 and rebound five. So I did try to go stiffer on my high speed compression, and then, although it did help, at you know those g outs, those jump faces that kind of helped that empty feeling. It made the rear of the bike a little bit worse out of corners when it got some acceleration chops. So I had to kind of weigh out what I wanted and what was more important to me on the track. And at the time it was more important to get the comfort out of the corner. So I went back to stock, which was two and five six on the high speed, and I just went in on the low speed, which kind of split the difference, kind of was a happy medium for me. Um, If you guys are heavier than 180, I feel like you will need a shock spring just to kind of help that feeling. But for our guys from 150 to 172-ish, it was a good shock setting. It had a lot of comfort. Yes, you will bottom this, so don't freak out if you bottom the shock. Listen, that's what the suspension is there for, to use all of it. Some of you guys say, hey, Kiefer, I'm bottoming. Yeah, you're supposed to. It it happens. If you bottom, a good rule of thumb, and this is what I was taught early in my testing years, if you bottom one to two times a lap, that's fine. That's normal. That's good. That's what you want. You want to use all your travel. If you're not, you need to soften it up a little bit, okay? Now, if you're bottoming violently those two times, of course you're going to want to have to stiffen it up a little bit. So just know... The difference, guys. If you're just slamming and blowing out your back, hey, we need to stiffen this thing up a little bit. So It's a good balance. The bike has a a better ride attitude, what we like to call in the testing world, a better ride attitude around the track. And the fork has a lot of comfort. Uh, So we played with fork height. Stock is 5 millimeters. We dropped it down to 3 millimeters. So 2 millimeter difference. It's a big difference. We talk about track toughness a lot with this Honda, especially the 450. The 250 has a lot better track toughness than the 450 does just simply because it has uh just has less engine, but dropping that thing to three millimeters helps the balance of the chassis even more increases stability and it doesn't hurt cornering ability. So, Do yourself a favor. Drop that fork to three millimeters. Compression for us was at eight. Rebound was at ten. And like I said, the height was at three. Some of our guys went stock. The compression nine clicks out is stock. Some guys, uh, one of my testers, Todd, he liked it a little bit stiffer. So he went to seven. My other guy, a little bit slower. His technique wasn't as good. He wanted a little bit softer. He liked his compression at stock. So... It's a very close setting. I'm sure you guys can dial it in with it a click or two. But if you guys are heavier, just know that you might need a heavier shock spring. I don't think you will need a heavier fork spring if you're in the 180-ish range. But quite possibly, you could use a shock spring. So again, if you're on the 19 come from a 20, the suspension is minute. It's a little bit more comfortable. has more holdup. And it's not a huge change. Um, the, the, the thing that I noticed the most... Was that it just doesn't dive as much as the 19. So that's good. Let's move on to the chassis. Since this is a big topic for me as well. I was scared. I was like oh god. 450 frame on a 250. It's going to be stiff. Well to my surprise. It's not at all. It's so comfortable. It has bump absorption. I'm not used to this coming from a Honda guys. I'm like freaking out. I'm like. All right, I got to go hit a curb. I got to do something, man, because I feel like I'm getting snowed over here. I'm just, like, blindfolded. I'm like, so the track got rougher, had some acceleration bumps. Paula gets hard pack underneath, and to my surprise, the bike has a lot of bump absorption comfort. It doesn't deflect. I can hit the same bump three to four times. It, it does the same thing. I like this frame on this 2020 the downside to it, there's an upside and downside. I'm going to give you both here. Upside is that stability is up for 2020. It's more stable. I like that. I can go faster. I can push it. And it, I enjoy going fast on a track. That is what I want from a motorcycle. I will take a little bit less cornering ability if I can get stability. I still need a bike to corner, but I want to be able to go fast and this chassis helps me do that. The downside, yes, mid-corner, it wants to stand up more than 2019 does. Initial lean, pretty good. I can flop in pretty nice, but I really have to force my body down and concentrate to keep the lean if there's an inside rut or an inside flat corner. You will notice that coming off of a 2019. Just mid-corner, the bike just feels heavier. Again, you think it would? You think by us going to three millimeters on the fork would hurt it? It actually didn't hurt that area at all. It was the same. So I just want a little bit more of a planted feeling front end. That's why I went to three millimeters on the fork, and I was like, "Whoo!" It didn't hurt that heavy mid corner feeling. So that's what I'm running with right now. I really want to play with that in the next, and com- probably in the coming weeks when I ride this thing, I want to see if. I can get that mid-corner heaviness out and I'm really going to try to do that with some suspension settings slash fork height. I'm going to play with that more and even I'm going to play with rear wheel placement. That's tough to say too. I'm to play with that a little bit to see if that helps mid-corner and just overall see if I can get that thing to feel a little bit lighter so it's a, it's more of a Honda-esque mid-to-exit cornering machine. So, I would say kudos for most of you guys on this chassis. It's stable. It's not rigid. So when you hear, hey, it shares the same frame as a 450, do not freak out. It doesn't feel that way. It feels light, playful, and uh, has a good straight line stability. Um, A little bit of tuning with that fork. It makes that front end stick better. You'll just notice a slight heavier feeling mid-corner. That's all I got out of that chassis. So um, to me, like if I'm like Kiefer, we always talk about the $2,000, $2,500 mark on a, on a new year model bike. Should I spend the money? Should I spend $2,000 on a new machine? I have a 19. I'm happy with it. Will I notice the difference on a 2020? To me, on this bike specifically, Yes, to me it's worth two to twenty five hundred dollars, two k twenty five hundred dollars because of the engine and the chassis suspension. Okay, whatever. But honestly, the meat that this thing has gained in the engine department and the chassis just planted feeling, I like that. So I'm in. I would buy a new Honda if it was me and I had the money. That's that's my take. Um, what about the clutch? What about some things that you guys talk to me about a lot? Clutch springs are beefier for 2020. Last year, sometimes when you ride the 2019, I'm laughing because it's happened to me a lot. I feel like my clutch is slipping. And I'm like, dude, it's a brand new bike. Or I just put a new clutch in it. Why does my clutch feel like it's slipping? It simply couldn't handle the load under throttle and the power that it was putting out. That clutch springs was too soft. So they went up on the clutch springs. It does help. I'm not going to sit here and tell you that Your clutch is going to last you 12 to 14 hours. Probably not, okay? But at least now when you're under load, under throttle, out of a corner, you're not slipping. That rear wheel is hooking up, getting down on the ground and pushing you forward. That is a better feeling as well. So I do like that. Honda clutch doesn't feel the best out of all the bikes, right? We know this. The lever is a little bit hard. Unlike a, a Yamaha, even a Yamaha is not the best either. But the Yamaha clutch lever pull is better than a Honda CRF 250R pull. So, yes, out of all the bikes, I would say the clutch on the Honda CRF 250R is the toughest to pull in. It's, it's, I'm not going to sit here and complain about it a lot because it's not that bad. But I know some of you guys do. So, that's why I'm mentioning it to you guys out there. So, um, Kudos for Honda for getting a better clutch spring in there, so that way at least we can enjoy the power that it has now. The foot pegs, they changed those. They made them 20% lighter. They did some things to try to help get dirt through the peg so it doesn't get hung up. It doesn't work. I still get dirt inside the where the spring is in between there. And Honda is notorious. If you guys have a Honda, out of all the bikes that I test and own, dirt gets in Honda pegs the easiest, and they stick up. I do not like that. Do yourself a favor. Go buy some rubber, a Cherby's foot peg covers. They're cheap. You put them on. They're like little condoms for your foot pegs, all right, for protection. And you put them on, and no dirt gets inside there, and your foot pegs will go back down, you know, flush, flat, when you hit a rut or your you know, foot peg dragging in these deep ruts. So do yourself a favor and do that. Uh, what about the brakes? Man, Honda brakes are good I felt like 10 years ago or so Honda was always like dude, this, Honda has the best brakes uh, Honda's the leader in the brake category that was the MO a long time ago I feel like Honda is coming back they're getting closer and closer to Brembo obviously Brembo's are really good but Honda brakes the rear brake, the hose that they changed the rear brake's good Okay, I'm not going to sit there and say it's so much better it's a little bit better but overall The front brake is super powerful, and that's what I'm on the most, and I like that. I like my lever to hit fairly soon. These Honda brakes will get you stopped in a hurry, and I like the modulation, the power that it has. They're not too grabby. Um, Unlike a Brembo, we have some grabbiness. It's not like that. It's pretty linear, has a nice curve to it, and I really enjoy the brakes. Just like the Super Bowl. These commercials are the best. So listen to them. It's fun. Save some money. We'll be back shortly. Listen to the commercials. Gracias. Thanks to the guys over at 6D Helmets. That's right. They are on board with the KieferIncTesting.com. Kiefer Tested Podcast. We thank them for joining us. You have a street bike, a dirt bike, or do you pedal? You have a mountain bike. Head over to 6DHelmets.com. Check out the full line of helmets they offer. I'm sure they have a helmet for you. Hey, I get questions all the time. Kiefer, what helmet would you choose if you could pick one to buy? If you're going to spend your own money, Kiefer, where are you going? While there are a lot of helmets that are safe out there, okay, I do feel the safest in a 6D helmet. I've had many crashes in my ATR1. I've had a couple in my ATR2, and it has done its job. It's advanced ODS technology. It's race-proven. I'm telling you guys. And it's light. The new ATR2, it comes in at 1,480 grams. It's fully rebuildable. Very cool colorways. I trust the guys over at 6D Helmets. Maybe you guys should too. Hit me up over at chris at Maybe get a special discount code if you want to get a 6D. So please guys, go check them out. 6D Helmets, hit me up. Tell me how you like yours. And if you don't have one, maybe go get one. Thanks, 60. Have you guys checked out bloodlubricants.com? If you haven't, b l u d lubricants.com, go check them out. Three new series of oils, Blood Power Sport series, the Blood Racing Pro series, and the Blood Racing Pro Elite series. I have Michael Allen here with me. We've been doing two different types of oils In our test bike, Mike has been doing the Blood Power Sport Series. Everything going good there? Everything's going good. I use it in all our test bikes, the ones that I prep and maintain. And uh, it runs a little cooler than production oils. And uh, I know you've done some testing with that. Yeah, so basically before Jeff and the guys came on board, I had to check legitimacy of this stuff um, because I didn't want no crap involved in keyframe testing. Um, Honestly, tried it. Was very surprised about the oil. Did some temperature readings. It was little over 30 degrees cooler in my YZ450F compared to some other oils I've been running. So the stuff is good. They sponsor over 250 racers from Enduro, Enduro Cross, Hair Scrambles, UTVs, Supercross now. they got some Supercross guys. So go check them out, bloodlubricants.com. Use the discount code Kiefer and get some percentage off your oils. They'll ship them to you. Probably get a hat or two. You know, Jeff's a good dude. Go check them out, bloodlubricants.com. The one thing that bums me out about racing moto is waiting around all day just to do two or four motos. I don't want to be sitting at the track all day and have three hours in between my motos. Well, you know what? Old Timers Association has been around a long time, and the guys from Oregon Old Timers have come on board with this podcast and want me to talk to you about their series. Very cool series. I've raced them before. They have 20-minute motos, long motos. Usually, you're done by 3 o'clock. You're in and out. You get to race. Go home, finish your chores, spend time with your family, go do stuff with your wife, whatever it is. It's a fun, family-filled environment there. They have races all over. It's not just in Oregon. They have races in California, Glen Helen, Montana, Richland, Washington. They go to Hangtown. They go to Washington again in Washougal, which is very cool. And, of course, they go to British Columbia, Boise, Idaho, even Edmonton, Canada, and Fernley, Nevada. You can check out the series at OregonOldTimers.com. And you will even see me at a couple rounds this year. So check them out. ScreenPrintingDone.com You guys looking to make up some shirts, hoodies, or hats with a logo on it? Or maybe you want a logo made up for your business? And you want to transfer that over to some t-shirts? Go to ScreenPrintingDone.com Neil over there is a writer. He owns the company. He is a rad human being. And he is here to hook you guys up. Order 12 shirts and get 10 for free. They have all different kinds of shirts, hoodies, hats, different fabrics, all different kinds of stuff. Go hit them up, ScreenPrintingDone.com. Tell them Kiefer sent you and get 10 free shirts. Be sure to say Kiefer. That's right, Kiefer and ScreenPrintingDone.com. Go check them out. Thanks, Neil. Hey, Heather. Hey, Chris. Did you know that every two-stroke KTM and Husqvarna come with a Vertex piston in the engine from the factory? No, I did not. 65 years ago, Vertex piston was founded in a small technical workshop in northern Italy. Today, because of the renowned reputation for exceptional quality, Vertex is an OEM supplier to KTM, Husqvarna, and more exotic brands like Beta, Gas Gas, and TM. No matter which brand of bike you ride with, when it's time to go ride or time to rebuild your top end, Vertex Pistons will have your engine performing better than new. To see their full range of two-stroke and four-stroke pistons in replica, high compression, or GP-style configurations, visit them at vertexpistons.com or stop in your local dealer and ask for a Vertex Piston Kit today. And if you guys want a discount code, hit me up, chris, at kieferringtesting.com, and I've got one for you. Save some money. Vertexpistons.com. See, that wasn't so bad. You made it. Thank you guys, seriously, for listening. Back to the Honda CRF250R. Let's talk a little bit about this cooling system. I get a lot of emails from you guys saying, I'm overheating my Hondas. Honda changed the left side radiator for 2020. They enlarged it to try to combat some of those heat issues that some of you guys out there were noticing and getting and complaining about and yelling at me over email. I <laughs> I'm I'm not the creator of radiators, people. Don't yell at me. I I don't know. Okay? I mean, come on. I'm just the messenger here. I'm trying to tell you what they're changing and giving you some feedback to see if it's better. So, I tried to do that here on this test. It is a little bit better. Yes, does it completely remove the cooling issue? No, it does not, but it helps. So, how can you prevent puking out all of your water? Just, Kiefer, I have no water in my coil. I can see my coils. Listen, if you're hanging out by the track, waiting for your homies, you're idling, turn off your bike. I see this problem a lot. A lot of guys just hanging out, letting it idle, gack, 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 they're talking, shit's puking out, they come back. I don't have any water. Do yourself a favor go ride, cool your bike off. It will not suck coolant as bad. If it's deep sand, you're going to suck coolant regardless. I've had Yamaha suck coolant. I've had Hondas. I've had Suzuki's. They all suck coolant on deep, wide open, high RPM tracks. You're going to do that. Look, at the 2018 had some cooling issues. It's not like that anymore. I'm not going to sit here and say it's completely gone because, yes, when you come back, if you're hauling ass and you're high-revving this bike, you will smell coolant because it does kind of puke out a little bit. It'll kind of drip out a little bit. So just keep an eye on your coolant. You're not going to lose all your coolant in a sandy 30-minute moto. I can guarantee you that. If you're out trail riding and you're moving along the trail, it's not going to puke out all the coolant. If you're sitting there on the trail, burning the clutch up, trying to go up a hill, yeah, you're going to burn through coolant. So the larger radiator does help a little bit. Because before this radiator existed, you could literally just sit there and warm your bike up, and then you're on your way to the track, just cruising down the pit, and it actually was just puking out water. It's not like that anymore. So it is slightly improved. Is it completely gone? No. On a Yamaha, I don't even think about coolant. I don't even worry about it. I don't smell it. You will smell it from time to time on a Honda if you're high revving the bike and you're in deeper soil. So I just want to relay that to you guys out there because I get hit up a lot on that question. And again, we're no bullshit, so I'm not going to sit there and say, Yep, it's good. They did something to the radiator. It's all gone. No, that's not the case. It's not completely gone. Yes, it still has some cooling problems. If you're just hanging out or you're high-revving the crap out of it, it will suck some coolant. Just keep an eye on it. Let the bike cool down. Open the radiator cap. If you see the coils, add some. Here's here's a kind of a rule of thumb as well when I do mine. Sometimes I will go out and I'll do a hard moto. It's 100 degrees out and I will just start to see the coils. You should be able just to pour a little bit in there and it'll fill right back up. If it's continuing to pour and it's very very low, then that means because that means you weren't checking it thoroughly. Sim- simple as that. You got to check this thing. So for those of you guys wondering, you're on a 2018 250, yes, it is better I wouldn't worry about it as much, and uh just know that you gotta check this thing every now and again. What about a higher pressure radiator cap? Yes, that does help. You can go to that and that does help and I usually do that with most of my test bikes anyway that I plan to really ride hard and ride a lot. so um, that's another option. I know Twin Air has a different radiator cap that you guys can go to and check out as well. so again. MX3S tires, we got them on the Honda, booyah, MX3S still alive and well, I'm just waiting for the announcement, hopefully that comes soon, I don't know if it's true or not, I hope it is, I dream about it, maybe Dunlop uh, is coming out the MX3S front, that would be grand, but nonetheless, the 2020 Honda CRF 250R has them, and it's a good tire, So I like to mention that just because I know some bikes nowadays come with 33s. I'm out on the 33 front tire. I'm out. I'm a 3S guy. So kudos to Honda for keeping that alive and well, at least for this year. And, uh, yeah, so what I wanted to talk to you guys about, too, before we close this thing up, the 250. Where is this at in the realm of which bike should I buy? Because I get those questions a lot as well. So, Chase is a 450 guy from Rocky Mountain. If you've seen Chase, he's on the Rocky Mountain ATV MC YouTube channel. He's the fantasy guy. He's kind of the face of Rocky Mountain for all these videos that they do. And he was so excited to ride this 250. He didn't get off the bike. Like, I had to pull him off of the track. He's a 450 guy, he has a 450 Cowie. And this riding this Honda really made him think about going to a 250. He's 175 pounds. Most of it is in his calves. But nonetheless, he likes to ride a 250, and he's a weekend warrior type of guy. He goes out and rides on the weekends, has fun with his buddies. A 250 is sufficient enough. He he liked this bike so damn much. He's considering to get one of these things for his bike for 2020 to use all year. Rocky Mountain gets them a bike to use for a year. He wants to get a Honda CRF250R because he enjoyed it so much. There was enough torque for him. There was enough uh, engine to get him over jumps out of corners. So there is a possibility that you could be 180 pounds and still really enjoy a Honda CRF250R because it takes less energy to ride than a 450, people. Don't freak out on the engine size. It's not a dick measuring contest. You probably, if you're just an out-of-shape, weekend warrior type of guy, you will be able to kill your buddy that's on that 450 next to you because you can just rip through corners faster, go longer, charge harder. It would just be a better bike for you because you don't get to train and ride as much. I try to tell older guys that as well, man. I'm going, look, why do you want 450 cc's of power when you can't hang on more than three laps? Get a smaller bike, enjoy yourself, stay safer, and ride longer. It just makes sense. So this Honda with this newfound engine power that they have really inspired Chase to look into getting one of these bikes and enjoy himself versus getting arm pump and getting tired and dragging his tongue in his spokes for after four laps. So there is a spot for you guys out there with 250 engines. Honda is a better bike. This 250 is a better bike for 2020. I can sit here in this freaking studio right now and be like, look, if you're coming off of an 18 or 19, you will notice the power difference. And I think Honda is going to move up in the shootout realm of things uh, for 2020, honestly, just because of the motor. A lot of faster guys like this bike last year. Well, now I think that group of rider will still like this bike, but the lower level, maybe not the fast guys that have all this, you know, in shape. I got six pack and I'm hauling ass. I'm scrubbing everything. Now you got this guy who's like, I'm a little less in shape. Uh, I need more torque because my technique is off. I think that group of guy will like this bike more. I couldn't recommend this bike to you last year if you are that type of guy. So now... I could sit here with clear eyes and tell you guys, hey, this is a better, torquier Honda CRF250R. And it, you guys out there that have less technique would enjoy it. So um, kudos to Honda. I'm looking forward to uh, creating some more settings. I'm going to go play with this thing in the next couple of weeks, try to get you guys another podcast with exact clickers, suspension, chassis, and possibly some mufflers that we're going to test to try to get you the power that you want. Because so I know you guys have a hard-on for mufflers a lot. Kiefer, what muffler should I get? Don't be scared to run a stock system for a while. There's a lot of work that goes in these stock systems. so um, But we will we will try everything for you guys out there. We'll try all different kinds of stuff and get you the details on what works and what doesn't. So that is coming up here on a future episode. And uh, so stay tuned for that if you guys have any questions hit me up chris at keyforinktesting.com this is a busy time for me so give me some time to answer you guys we've had a lot of intros this week this is the third podcast of this week probably have another one or two next week so busy time but fun I love doing these things for you I love the feedback that I get at the track And like I said, if you guys are at the track, come over, say hi. Even if you see the tent I'm testing, I love talking to you guys, man. Come over, tell me what you got, what the deal was, if we talked before on over email. And uh, let's just bullshit a little bit. i like to get to know you and uh, see what you guys are all about. So thank you guys for joining me. Thank you guys for supporting the advertisers on this podcast. Again, don't forget to listen to the commercials because there's discount codes. Save yourself some money. Make your wife happy. It's just an all-around better thing to do. You guys know this. And you know this, man. I'll see you guys soon. We'll be back next week with the Yamaha YZ450. whoo, KTM 125SX. Two strokes. Man, you guys are up my ass about two strokes. We're there. We're in. And we got Husqvarna TPI life. Off-road life. Woo! Thank you guys for joining me. I'll see you next week. Enjoy each other. Be nice to each other. See you guys at the track.